Welcome back to the Wrath of Khan Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and discuss Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, one minute at a time. I'm David Stoker. And I'm Chris LaSalle. Hey, Chris. Hey, Dave. Welcome back. Happy Monday. You too, sir. And here we move on to Minute 76. This minute starts with Joachim claiming impulse power restored and ends with a view of the Genesis Cave. So uh, we are on Minute 76, and we are joined by cartoonist Chris Eliopoulos. Hello, welcome, guys. How welcome, are you? Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming along. Dude, let's nerd. Let's go. <laughs> wow. Nice. Let's nerd. All so, right. My first boom right out of the gate, right? Joaquin standing in the doorway. Um, did they make a poster of that? <laughs> I don't know, but they should. That's a dramatic entrance. That is a dramatic entrance. I love that. Okay, I got a question for you guys, though, about this. Go. Okay, so these guys have been marooned on a planet for years, and before that, they were like popsicles. How the heck do they know how to run a ship? <laughs> like, how did how did they learn how to fly it? How did they learn how to repair it? I mean, they're from, I guess, what would have been the 21st century, so our time, yep. or a little bit earlier. Yep. Yep. How do they have any working knowledge of a starship? Well, that is a great question, because we know that we know Khan read the manuals, right? That was his. That's how he learned how the Enterprise right? worked and all that stuff. Um, that was, I think it was called out. That was called out in Space Seed, right? But uh, so maybe he just um, while they were waiting, they had fifteen, for 15 years. years. They had 15 He's like, years on a on a planet doing the only nothing thing else. Read or manuals? Yeah, they could either watch their people die or read the manuals. I mean, like you know, like my kids, they never read the manuals, and yet they can play video games and get it. Oh, yeah. Pretty good, really quick. So maybe they're just sort of like the advanced version of a video game player. But but you bring up a, a great question is, okay, there's 14 of them. Khan's really the genius out of the group. They're on this ship that they probably, you know, that is massive. And yet they've restored impulse. You know, they've damage has been done due to the last battle. And stuff, I mean, for me, changing out a light plug is, you know, a light socket is... Hard work. I mean, we're talking about intricate systems. You're right. How how do they know how to repair this stuff? Movie magic. It is. I think it's movie magic. Yeah. You know, well, I never thought really about smart. Maybe they can do it. You know. Yeah, I I never thought about that before. So they're all aren't they? They're all um, superhuman, right? So I guess we're always assuming that Khan's the genius, but maybe they're all you know geniuses on some level. On some level, yeah, maybe. They've been genetically enhanced, so maybe they're genetically enhanced in learning, too. They can learn quickly and intuitively, maybe. That's a great question. And Khan's very happy, so. He is. He's as long as he's happy. He's extremely happy because he knows he can now finish the job. He knows where Kirk is, so he knows Kirk won't interfere. Yep. And a dead planet. Buried alive. <laughs> you know, I, I, had a, I had a question about that. You know, we just got over the scene a couple minutes ago where, you know... <clears throat> Buried him alive, right? And he, yep. he got his re- he got his revenge on Kirk. And does he still need to do this? Does he need to go after Enterprise, or is it just he's he's you know he won't be satisfied until you know everything Kirk loved is gone? Well, well, yeah. I mean, I think he does need to finish the job. I mean, Scotty and Spock and all them are. You know, he's got he's got to destroy everything. 
Yeah, these guys, just, right? that's what they go for, right? I mean, you go for the main guy, and then it's like everybody else had even put him down a little bit. He's got to go after him. Yeah, and, I think he's got he's to he's take away, because Enterprise was Kirk's. Got to take that away. That's all he's got left is vengeance, so he might as well take it out on everybody. But, Fair enough. So he, he could have just walked away. He could have been like, I'm done. Let's go find something look, else to do. Well, there were many times he could have just walked away. I mean, Joaquin even said to him, he said, you have a ship. You have means to go anywhere you want. You go anywhere in the universe you want, but you know, don't do this. But he wanted it, so if he's going to go, he's going to go all in. Captain Ahab has to get his will. He's yeah. got to destroy everybody before he <laughs> is happy. See, it's very literary. Actually, the whole movie is, you know, it's all about like books and literary, and so it's oh, yeah. kinda, you know, it kind of follows through all the way, you know. Even to this point, you know, it is Captain Ahab and they're trying to stop him. But, um, all right. All right. So uh, when we move down to the plot, down into the cave. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's the thing. So <laughs> she walks him out there and they, they come across this big giant thing. Okay. Bones saw a, a giant Lincoln in space back in on the original series and he's impressed <laughs> by a cave. Like, dude. Like you, you, you saw a guy like you know a god that like grew up to like how many things tall and and he saw a rabbit on a planet and like this was like the most amazing thing he's ever seen in his life. Oh yeah, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> like bones, come on. I, I, don't know. I, I, part of me, is, the only question I have is when they get to the cave is, how, how did she get a sun in there? Yep. Where's That's- the light source? Where is that coming from? That's mine too. Everybody has that note. They must, right? Like, where is it coming from? I mean, there's no there's no air without the photosynthesis process of the plants making the oxygen, and it needs sunlight in order to do that. Right. I read. I th- I looked it up a little bit, and I said in the original. I don't know if it was the um, the uh, adaptation. The book says that they created a small protostar or something like that to hang around in the cave, which is just insane. If you think about it, the gravity well of that would just rip them out of the cave. Like it makes no <laughs> physics sense to have a little star in the middle of a, a, of a cave. But um, I thought maybe there was a slight opening to space and maybe they, they got a little sunlight through there. But then it would just let in the you know space. It would just – the vacuum of space. So I, it just makes no sense. Do you agree or disagree? Well, I, well, I've always thought it was just a teeny tiny little star, right? <laughs> but, but I never thought about there could be a window in there, <laughs> just letting in sunlight. <laughs> Maybe that's part of what the the, the the Corps of Engineers built was a giant little a uh, giant window up at the top of the cave to let uh, let the sunlight in. Well, the weird yeah, thing is, is when they first walk into the cave and Kirk sees it and he's amazed, and then you sort of see the sun. I don't know. It's like almost like a cloud passes in, you know, comes out in front, and then the sun just sort of brightens everything up. So maybe there is a window. Hmm. Maybe it's the shader. The shader came up. Yeah, right. They've got the the, the little clicker that can open up the the blinds when you're uh, from Polarized. across the room. Polarized window. Nice. I will say some of the. I know a lot of this is matte painting, but um, the spot where you can look, you're looking down on them. Yeah, um, that waterfall. I know it's supposed to like be glowing or something, but it just the perspective looks totally off on that one. It just didn't read as. It just throws my eyes off. I don't know about you guys, but it t- totally made me think that it was just not in the right spot. Yeah, it looks weird. It looks fake. 
Like amongst the yeah. things in this movie that, you know, we've talked about like the budget and, you know, special effects and stuff like that. Like this is the one part where I'm like, that doesn't look good. That, yeah. that makes me think yeah. of the original series. I wouldn't have minded the, the. I never thought about the perspective angle, but the waterfall. The thing that bothered me about the waterfall is that it's. It looks like it's just. Uh, it's radioactive. It's like a disco light underneath it, just rotating. Like all, all the water's flowing at the same speed and everything, regardless of where you're looking. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. that one always threw me. Well, it's almost like magma. Yeah, maybe it's something different. Maybe it's some. I mean, they didn't say it was Earth-like conditions. They just said true. You know, it could be another type of maybe liquid nitrogen. You know waterfalls or something like that like a nitrogen fall um but it's also weird like you could almost tell like that the little outcropping is just plopped into a into a matte painting because like they really don't go anywhere and then even later they're eating food like how did they get it they're on the top of a precipice like they're like looks like 80 miles up and and of course they stand right next to it like like ah who cares i'll fall right off no big deal they're just amazed it's uh, everyone's got looks of wonder right then well I, well, I have to ask is when they come out, am I just not seeing David? Like, where's David? Is he there? Like, because I see Savick and then you see McCoy, you know, circling around going, oh, look at this, look at this. And then Kirk and Carol come out. But where's David? Getting the food. Is he off getting the food? I would there assume. You know, right? Savick standing in front of Yeah, I would, I would think so. And what's Savick standing in front of? Is that a fire? I don't know. Or is that the food that David got? I thought it was like a log just to look out over the uh over the giant precipice onto the sea the uh the giant star in the in the middle of the sky. Yeah, the more I look at that water, I'm annoyed by it now. <laughs> Sorry. As soon as you point something out it becomes worse, right? No, no, um it, more from what the other Chris said in the sense that it's like all uniform. Yeah. Like it's like someone yeah, has like a strobe light or some sort of like that sort of effect where the light just keeps like shifting around and it's just the same pattern over and over again. That's bad. So do you want to know how they did it? Cause I have some information on how they did it, but I, but I don't bring it on. It doesn't, it doesn't add up to me. So it's a matte painting, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they, uh, they basically, uh, behind the artwork, they put a rotating cotton ball and lit it up, photographed it. Okay. And, just so I guess that's what we're, I guess that's why I keep seeing the kind I of guess, repetitive motion. Yep. I guess that's why you would see that. Yeah. Oh, I totally get it. Now that you pointed out though, I'm not going to, I can't unsee it now. <laughs> I'm always going to like, when the scene comes up in the movie, I'm going to be like, oh, there's that horrible water again. There's the cotton. <laughs> the cotton water. Yeah. Obviously they, they, they saved a few bucks on that one. Um, yeah. It wasn't as like dramatic, like, you know, you would have thought it would be this big dramatic moment of them discovering this giant world underneath the you know a, a rock and it wasn't all that impressive i felt i think they could have probably spent more money on this effect uh to sell it a bit better well i like the i like i will say that for as much grief as we're given this scene i do like the when they first walk out and you see like the big cave and you see the the window sun and you know and it sees it brightens like that to me looks like wow that could be really cool but then you focus on the next scene, which is them, like you you mentioned, the overlooking scene, and it just it takes you out of being immersed in the scene, at least for me. Yeah. And that grass looks so fake. Yeah, it's kind of glows, doesn't it? It's like there's one one green, and then there's another green grass. Like you can totally tell that's like they bought that at Home Depot. <laughs> it's astroturf. It is. 
Well, what do you expect? The Matrix, Matrix, <laughs> Matrix formed in a day. I mean, this is the best you can do. Well, she can cook, can't she? Oh, God, the arrogance. You know it's always bad when a scientist is arrogant like that. You know something bad is going to happen, right? If movies have ever taught us anything, it's when you have an arrogant scientist, things go bad. <laughs> of course, uh, this yeah. creature won't, won't harm anyone. It's my, it's my little monster that I created. And then she says in the next sentence, right, the life forms grew later at a substanti substantially accelerated rate. That right there should give everybody go, well, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> what am I about to see? Yeah, you don't, really, see, you don't see any animals walking around, right? So Right, exactly. I keep waiting to see like, oh, is there going to be – that mean animals going to be running by? So how long has this been here though? Uh, I'm thinking obviously we, we've seen the movie. We know what happens at the end. Mm -hmm. We know how accelerated – you know, we've seen – I'm assuming we've all seen the next movie. We know what happens to the planet. Like, how come this one, this unit, if it's been here for a while, is still intact? Or is that a question oh. for a later later moment? Hmm. That, well, they only said, was, well, oh. they, ahead, what did they say? It was a year ago that um, in the scene when they were first showing Genesis. What does he say? He says that um, they went into production like a year ago. Yeah. So they're the only thing they didn't. So it shouldn't be that long. Right. I'm just so wondering if we, we, we would see some sort of some sort of breakdown. But we don't know that until the next movie anyway. So True. the logic of this movie stands. It only breaks down when you go to the next movie. Um, unless uh, they did something slightly different. Maybe the, the airless conditions of the inside of the cave. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go, but... Um, oh, well, so I'm, I'm buying it. Yeah, it's bad when you have to kind of explain something away. A movie should kind of, you know, stand up without you having to guess at it. But um, well, I think we assume, you know, there's water there. The, the plants are generating the oxygen. You know, like it's breathable. It's simulating a, I guess, a class M planet, you know, with the nitrogen and the, the, the correct mix of oxygen and nitrogen in the air and all that kind of stuff. And um well, I will say, right, in, in, in Star Trek Three, it's exploded – oh, I mean at the end of this movie, it's exploded in space. There is no planet there to begin with. Right. So maybe this right. is uh, – it's an already established planet and therefore the Matrix forms onto this overlay of a dead planet and it's stable after a day, whereas if it's in space and there's nothing else, it burns out of control. I'm going to give that one. Ooh. I'll say that's it. Maybe. You know, I always thought that too. That you know, in the in the next movie, that they could have, you know, they obviously they come up with a, you know, David took a shortcut, right? Um, but they could have just couldn't they have just used that as an excuse, like, well, we created a planet out of a nebula rather than a dead planet, and maybe that's why it causes all the problems it does. Um, yeah, I thought that would have been a yeah. good one. Ooh, I like that idea that it's already because the matrix is already formed that it has the building blocks to sustain the planet, whereas when they blow up. There's nothing there to sustain like an actual matrix for the Genesis to launch onto because I guess she does explain it. She says we'll launch the torpedo on a lifeless moon. So I guess it does need something to attach to. I'm buying yeah. it. Yeah, I like that. And I've, I've always had a question about the matrix. This is the second time it's been mentioned in the film. Spock mentioned it like, and uh, Carol just did too. And I'm like the matrix, but you guys are helping me right now. I kind of get it now. Right. Yeah. No. I'm hmm. Well, maybe Neo shows up and <laughs> takes out his guns and starts I knew someone shooting. was going to say that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Had to go down that road. It's bullet time. Everything gets done quickly. Do you, do you think... You, uh, oh, go ahead, Chris. 
No, I just just going back to Carol's comment about the the life forms grew later to substantially accelerate. Do you think that line is in there? Do you think they were planning for the next movie, or do you think that's just coincidence that they tied those things together? I think that was her just trying to sound smart, braggadocious. Yeah, I think I think she was. She's like the Matrix formed it today, but the life forms. See how awesome I am. This only you know this. Why couldn't she just said the life forms formed in ten minutes? Like, because if the Matrix formed in a day. The life forms would grow at a substantially quicker rate. That would mean less than a day. Right. Yeah. So. She's showing off. You're right. And I, am I the only one who's, who would be scared to be eating that food? Oh, that was my thing. Is like radioactive? Is it, I mean, how do you know what it is? Nah, it's an apple. An apple's an apple. Well, they uh, she claims they have a food enough for a lifetime. So, so said last minute. Right. But I would not want to touch it. Well, it's genetically created, right? So, like, but you know, right? We all have this argument these days about genetically enhanced foods. Do you eat them? Do you not? Like, isn't that isn't this the ultimate genetically enhanced food? True. Yeah. Mm. From scratch. This isn't organic. Yeah. Or is this the ultimate organic food? Hmm. My big problem with this one, though, is Bones, other than finding this so amazing, um, wasn't it like 10 minutes ago that he was saying this is the worst thing ever? <laughs> like the idea of creating this is awful. And then he sees it. And he's like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, dude, he was. He like hated this idea. And now he loves it. He's really backwards, that Bones. Yeah, you know, Chris, you got me too. You got me thinking about all, you're right, all of the amazing things they've seen in their past. Yeah. And this one's just a garden inside a cave and they're freaking out. <clears throat> yeah, he's losing it. Maybe it was the sun. Maybe the sun was the cool thing that he was freaking out Could about. Could be. Well, There's a sun floating there. Don't forget when they first got there, like way back in the beginning when they first beamed into the rock, they thought that was Genesis and they were amazed. Right. <laughs> I know, that. Like the, like the expectations were really set low on that one. We thought it's this a was hallway. Genesis. Yeah, it's a hallway. <laughs> you built a hallway. This is awesome stuff. <laughs> Wait, there's more. I mean, geez, like all those things that they saw in the original series, and this is what makes them excited. It's it's amazing to me. But even Bo- even um Kirk is like he comes out with that like you know chin down to his kneecaps look. Like, oh my god, look what you made. It's like, dude, you talked to like – there was like a mythological god that was 10 feet tall that you were talking to at one point. You you communicated with a rock creature in, 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 a, in a cave somewhere, and you're excited about an apple? They, they, they traveled through time like seven times. Yeah. But nope, this is the most amazing thing ever. I've never seen the like. Can you believe it? Never seen the like. Maybe he's just trying to be nice to, to the girl he used to love, right? Like maybe he's just making her feel good. This is the most amazing thing. You know, it's sometimes, you know, when you're dating somebody new, like you haven't talked to them in a while and they make you dinner and it's just not really that good, but you have to say it was really, really good. It's the most amazing thing you've ever eaten. Maybe that's what he's doing here. Carol, it's amazing what you've made. Let me tell you, I've never had chish kebab this way before. So amazing. Uh-oh. So that last, there's a the last shot. I the, which is another mat. There's three. There's three mat paintings in here, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think in the did a little bit of research. They were all done by guys at ILM. Um, Chris Evans did, did did the first two we saw, and this last one's done by a guy named Frank Ordaz. Um, and uh, but 
in looking at this one, I, I never really got a good look at this last shot. There's like what looks like fog down in the water, mm. kind of moving around. But my question is, where are we on the on the, is it the precipice, Chris? Is that are we supposed to be seeing them up at the top of that cliff? It kind of looks like is that what it is? looks like a little Easter egg or a little you yeah, know, it's like a little shell like, or something. Yeah, is that supposed to be where they're where they came out of the tunnel? Could be. That's what that's what I think because the waterfall is right behind there. Oh, that's, yeah. I, yeah, that's I've good, always yeah. assumed that that's where they were, was in that little spot. Hmm. It's just a weird-looking spot. And how, then how did he find the fruit? Where did he go to get the fruit? Like, if that high up? Well, now you can see, if you look at that last shot, right, you can see this kind of a big hill just goes down, 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 down to the water. So he could just be hiking through the woods right now, oh, for man, all we know. I don't know, but perspective looks weird. <laughs> like... I don't know. It just looks weird. I think we're all agreed on that one. It, it's they tried. They tried. Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely matte paintings right there in other films that you you wouldn't even know, right? Just right. they're perfectly blended in, and um, yeah, unfortunately, all three of these shots are just it's pretty obvious that they that missed they missed the mark. <laughs> they keep well, they were cutting the money, right? Target. They had a they had a tight budget for this one, so yeah. Well, they can thank Motion Picture for that. All you Motion Picture lovers. <laughs> V'ger. <laughs> all that money for V'ger. All right, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I had too. Uh, Dave, what about you? Nope, I'm good. All right. So, yeah, so Chris, here's a question for you. Yes, sir. Um, do you remember the first time you saw Rathacon or the Motion Picture now that we're talking about V'ger? I, I want to say I remember when I went to go see the motion picture. I don't remember the first time I saw Wrath of Khan. I do remember the first time I saw the TV version of Wrath of Khan where they added in those moments um, when Scotty's nephew dies. Yes. Um, and I remember going, that doesn't – I don't remember seeing that before. Um, right. So I do have a memory, a memory of that, but I, I don't remember the first time I saw it. But again, a lot of these movies I've seen like a hundred times. So, um, you know, it's hard to remember the first. I mean, I remember stuff like the first time I saw Star Wars. I remember when I first saw um, the, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, I think this one came out, what, 1980? 82. 82. Yeah. So I was probably, I was in high school at that point and I wasn't as like, Impress, impressionable as I was as a younger kid, so I don't know if I remember going and seeing this for the first time. Do you remember at least you remember walking out of it, going, "Oh my god!" Based on the ending and what happened. I do to remember. I do remember, like, kind of going, "This is the way it should be." Um, I remember being really impressed with it. Um, a lot of this, a lot of the stuff was just. Um, the first one was just so weird. Like they were walking around in pajamas and. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. you know, it was so slow. I mean, it was the, the the budget for the special effects were amazing, and uh, and it looked great. And but you were just sort of like, huh? And this one came across, and it was just such a departure, and it had that nautical theme. You know, it's sort of like you know the costumes, the uniforms looked nautical. Um, just the way everything was presented just became familiar, and right. that's what I remember really loving about it. Was sort of like it felt right. And then, of course, I, all I could think about was Ricardo Montalban's chest. So <laughs> that's what I took away from the movie. His real chest. Correct. As we have confirmed. Yeah, that is it. 
Very good. Well, cool, cool. Well, let's, uh, why don't we wrap it up, guys, and uh, we can come back again on Wednesday. Um, Chris, do you, have a, do you have a place where folks can find you online? Um, just follow me on Twitter, uh, Chris Eliopoulos, because you're never going to know how to spell it, but look me up. I'm there. We'll, we'll add a link to our Facebook page and the website. So, uh, all right, cool. Well, then, uh, folks, you can find us online. We're, uh, we're on Twitter as well as WOK Minute. We're on Instagram and on Facebook. We're at the Rathacon Minute Listener Federation. Um, so we will, uh, we'll be back here again on Wednesday uh, with Minute 77 of Star Trek II uh, here at the Rathacon Minute. Come on!